Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. Today's program is brought to you in part by the financial support of our listeners. You can support the show on a one-time basis, support.greatdetectives.net. You can also become one of our ongoing Patreon supporters for as little as $2 per month. Just go over to patreon.greatdetectives.net. Well, now let's get into this week's adventure of Sam Spade. And this is another episode which uh, was not really in circulation until about three or four years ago. The original air date is February the 2nd of 1947, and the title is The Dead Duck Keeper. The Adventures of Sam Spade, Detective. Effie? Effie? F? Oh. I waited. See what you have to say and I'll go. You've been through a tough time, sweetheart. You didn't make it any easier. You think it was a cakewalk for me? You think my nerves are made of rubber? You have no nerves. You're just a cold, callous old detective. You're going to listen. You're going to sit still, not talk, and listen. When I finish, you can say goodnight or goodbye. First, you're going to listen to me. Remember how it started? Yesterday evening, when you told me it was your mother's birthday, you were giving a party, you said, and you wanted me to come? I tried to beg off being no social butterfly, but Mom would be hurt, you said. And so the next thing I knew, there I was at your house, surrounded by two dozen strangers, ten gallons of lemonade, and your mother. I've been wanting to have a talk with you, Mr. Spade, about Effie. I can't think of a nicer subject, Mrs. Green. <laughs> Effie is just so devoted to you, Mr. Spade. Yeah, well, uh, I, uh, I'm very devoted to Effie, too, Mother. Mrs. Green. What I mean is that... Uh, something. I'm dying on a seat. Oh, you want me to spike the lemonade, Effie? It just so happens that I have here in my pocket a bottle of... I have a wonderful idea. It makes a part of one big happy family. You just wait and see now. Quiet! Quiet, everybody! What's he up there? He's got a game. Oh, that's all I need. Your attention, please! Oh, oh, excuse me. There's Brent going now. Miss Brent? Oh, Miss Brent? Yeah. Please. Won't you join the party? I'm not going to have a point. Oh, what a shame. Oh, do stay. Thank you. Some other time. Oh, Lola's so nice. She went to sit in the room upstairs. I wish she could have stayed. Well, but I- I'll explain the game now. Oh, Mrs. Karina, I think I'll stay after all. Oh, how nice. Oh, you've brought a gentleman friend. Yeah. Yeah, he's... This is Marty. Marty? Lola sat down and crossed her legs at me. When I left me where I would have preferred to see a dimple, I saw a tattoo mark. Her gentleman friend, Monty, was a small, stocky guy, all teeth and New York tie. He uh, shook hands all around, and it felt like the paw of a stale stick. And this is Mr. Spade. He's a private detective that he waits for. Lola's in Kansas City, Mr. Spade. Oh? She's waiting for her husband to return from service overseas. I'm glad he's coming home safely. Where's he stationed? Uh, Japan. 
Yeah, now quiet, everybody, quiet. We're going to play charades. Oh, very simple. And you see, I'm the captain of Team A. Now, uh, Doctor, uh, Doctor Burson, oh, he's so clever. He can be captain of Team B. Now, dears, quiet, everybody. We both select the members of our team, and then um, each of you will uh, write something on a piece of paper. Uh, we'll write like a quotation or a phrase, you know, the title of a song, whatever you like. Just letters, just something interesting and clever. Then I think, yes, yes, I think I got it. You act out what you get all in pantomime. No words can be used, although sounds are permissible. Dear, you must listen to me or you can't play the game. Now, you can't play unless you know how. And then your team must get what is written on the page. You act it out. Any questions? How many words? Oh, any amount of words. No, not not over ten, though. Too long yet. Now, everybody. Teams were chosen. I wound up on Mrs. Perrine's team A. Slips of paper were handed out to the guests. I wrote down, "Quote the Raven, nevermore." So I'd have to make like a raven. Everybody was getting settled. Uh, Lola Brent came up with it. She pushed the slip of paper into my hand. This is your charade, Mr. Spade. Oh, but I got it. Was fun? Don't lose the charade, I gave you. And with that, she lost herself in the crowd. I pushed the paper she handed into my pocket without looking at it. Her gentleman friend, Marty, the little character with a New York tie, was out in the center of the floor quack, acting quack, his charade. Quack, quack, he flapped his arms quack, up and down, quacked twice, and rolled over on his back. Nobody got it, so he did it again. Now, Team A scores a win there. Let's go on, please. Yes, sir. Mr. Dead Duck, we dressed you. But will you please get up now and we'll go on to this? Oh! Sam! Sam, he's dead! And he certainly was. A deader duck I'd never seen. I bent to him and his lips were turning blue. Somebody had spiked his last drink with a jigger of poison. One hour later, Dundee and the homicide boys, including the medic, had taken the sift downtown. No one could identify him. Lola Brent had brought him to the party, but she'd taken a powder. You and Mom were kind of shaky, so I decided to spend the night on the sofa in the living room. Only used up about three hours of it when I heard the front door open. I figured it was Lola. I got to my feet, crossed to the hall, and found myself staring into the biggest forty-five I ever saw. Where's the duck? Who? He wants to know who, Paulie. Duck. You don't want no trouble. You're protecting this youth. Okay. All we want is the duck. Try Walt Disney. Oh. I should have known they had no sense of humor. The butt of the gun caught me behind the left ear. That's where it usually catches me. I don't know how much more sleep I packed away until I felt you shaking. Sam! Sam! Huh? Effie? They took Mom. Those gunmen. They took Mom. What happened? Effie, no, no. But they've got mom. Oh, for heaven's sake, Sam. They took my mother with No, no, we can't call the police. Not yet, What's Duck. Think mom has it. She's safe for a while, but if we call the police... Oh, Sam. Sam, what shall we do? What shall we do? 
Keep our fingers crossed and play the rest of the caper by ear. So you promised that you wouldn't call the police until I gave you the nod. I went out to buzz the town. Figured it was an out-of-state nod, probably New York. Gunsels were after the duck. That made no sense. I thought I was the muscle for the juke joint. Hustled over to Jenny the juke. She didn't know the score. Nobody would. The place was dark. Finally, she opened up and led me into the rear. When I mentioned the duck. She shut down tighter than a clam in December. Blisters, Sam. Blisters, I tell you. This ain't only the local law. This is the feds. Go away, Sam. My joint ain't juking for the duration. Listen, Jenny, there's an out-of-state mob. They put the arm on my secretary's mother. She don't know the time of day. They pulled the wrong feather. I don't hear a word you say, Sam. They're mixed up in the juke joint with you. You know who they are. Where's the duck, Jenny? Sam, you're winging in the breeze, Now, Sam. give me a rundown, Jenny, or I'll tear your ears off. I want that old woman back safe. You can't muscle me, Sam. You know why? Because you'll tear my ears off, and that's where you'll stop. <laughs> that's where they begin. Okay. One thing. You get word to them. Maybe. You try. Maybe. Tell them I've got the duck. I'll deal for the old woman. I'll try. Go back to your office. If I can throw a little weight, you'll get a call. If I can't, you can come back for my ears. And when I got back to the office, I had you on my hand. That was no rest cure. But I can't just sit here. Do something. We've got to sit and wait. Call the police. No. You've got to sweat it out. I can't. I can't go on like this. Who says it? What's your name? I'm Dennis O'Rourke. I'm here to talk about stuff. Good enough. Come into my office. Effie, you wait out here. Wait here, I said. Sit down. Thank you, thank you. I'm a lawyer, Mr. Speed. I'm here to represent my client. What's his name? John Doe. Mm-hmm. Jane Doe's big brother. My client has been led to believe that you are prepared to uh, produce the stuff. More or less. What's it worth to your client? My client is willing to trade the old woman for the duck. <laughs> you go back and tell your client I'm a big boy now. I, I don't understand. This town is loaded with old women. All I have to do is walk up and down Market Street, but there's only one duck. You seem misunderstanding. Well, let me put you straight. I've got the duck. Wait. I'll put two. Your client wants the duck. Okay. Fifty-two. Fifty thousand dollars. Things are high all over. But the old woman is said, Mrs. Green. I changed Now, mind. listen, you can do whatever you like about the old woman. So you got an old woman. Get rid of her, however you want. That's your story. What's important is that you want the duck. I want 50 grand. We play? No, I... Effie. I thought we had an audience the other side of the door. What were you... Shut up. Save it, Effie. It's business. Easiest money of the season. Well, if you're ready to talk business, we'll go and talk to my client, Mr. Spade. Now, let's go. Oh, sir. You've known me a long time, Effie. But maybe you don't know me. The United States Armed Forces Radio Service is presenting the weekly adventure of Dashiell Hammett's famous private detective, Sam Spade. The car that drove us down the peninsula was brand new. 
tell by the way the upholstery smelled and the careful way the driver handled it. O'Rourke, the lawyer, sat up front and I sat in the back, squeezed between two gunners. The gun muzzle stuck into my ribs told me all I needed to know about them. The rest of it I had to guess at. Time is hard to judge when you're blindfolded, but there's only one main road out of San Francisco by land. I know the towns and stops along it fairly well. About 20 miles out of the city, the car turned off the main highway onto a gravel road. Five minutes later, the blindfold came on. Fog was so thick, I still couldn't see much. Connors pushed me ahead of him into a shack that looked like a summer vacation cot. With a sign over the door that said, Buy the weed. A sallow, mean-looking little man with a heavily scarred face met us at the door. His right arm, just above the wrist, tattooed a small picture of a mallard duck. He glared at me and went to O'Rourke. How come? I told you, don't come back without her. Heaven be my witness, Sophie. I did my utmost. Ah, the king said that Mr. Spade is interested in money. What money? Did you tell him we got the old lady? I did. I am afraid we've misjudged Mr. Spade. In short, that Mr. Spade is not in the least idle. What does he want? Well, you had better tell him, Mr. Spade. Fifty thousand now, another fifty G's when I deliver the duck. A hundred G's is a lot of cash. You can afford it. Buzzy, bring in the old lady. Well, now, I think it's a Say, you know these men. This is a cute trick, Jackie, but it's going to cost you. The lady spoke to you, Spade. I told you it's going to cost you letting her see me here. And the longer she stands here staring at me, the more it's going to cost you. Stan, what is it? Get her out of here! You ought to be ashamed of yourself, Faith. You've broken that old lady's heart. Stop drooling. What the talk from the I ain't any this old lady. I don't have to use words when I talk to you, Chucky. You don't do anything to me because I got something you need. Okay. A hundred G. Pay the way you said. Price has gone up. Huh? Kidnapping's a federal rap. I'm not taking any part of it. He don't know she was snatched. He told her we are from the DA's office. He didn't know how nice as a witness. You find out different. I don't plan on settling down here. Oh, that's fine, but I have to go on living in this town with that old hen alive and clucking. It won't be easy. You mean you want Richard Knuckles, that cute old lady? You're a little slow, Ducky, but you'll get there. I've met some lousy low down here in my day, but you're the lousiest low. Come on. Come on, I can take more of it at these prices. He ain't doing your dirty laundry, see? He's no right. Price is a hundred grand. What if I say no? When I turn over the duck to the federal board. In that case, I don't care whether the old lady stays alive or not, because I'll be playing their game. Either you're in or you're out. Look it over, Morton. You decide you know where to reach me. Yeah. We'll know where to they drove me back to town blindfolded. When they let me out of the car, all I could see without the blindfold was the corner of the post and carney. The streetcar came along. I tossed a coin with it to get on it. I lied down on the tracks and let it run over me. It came up head, so I uh, tossed it again and I got on instead. I fished in my pocket for a slug and came up with a folded slip of paper. It was the one Lola had handed me at Mr. Perrine's birthday party when they were passing out the park for that screwy charade game. I unfolded it and glanced at it. Then I read it over very carefully. 
The writing was hard to make out, but what I could read of it said, Help me. That man Marty has followed me here to kill me. I get out of here alive. Maxie's arcade. I have a hundred dollars. I got off at Columbus and walked up to the international settlement where Maxie's arcade does business. What they used to call a penny arcade before inflation set in. I dropped a nickel in a fortune telling machine. Worried? Perplexed? Know thyself and your problems will vanish. A card came out that said, You're of a naturally deceitful and secretive character. Disloyalty brings its own punishment. It's never too late to mend. I tore up the card, kicked the machine, and that's when I saw it. It's a narrow little booth muffled in drapes, and the sign over it said, Salty Hawkins. Tattoo artist. Hard, under the curtain, showed some typical tattoo designs, anchors, mermaids, fancy initials, but one had a hand-drawn picture pasted over it. It was a mallard duck, same as the tattoo mark I'd noticed on Ducky Morden's wrist. I pulled the curtain aside and went in. Sir, what can I do for you, mate? Oh, you know about the duck? All in your jib, mate. There's no fish water birds here about. How about the new one you just put up in your cart outside? Oh, that one, eh? Now, where about? On the arm... Two feet better, John. I like Where about? I left me. This one, mate. It was on our knee. You have your remover for it? Right, is that time, mate? Now, why? Look, if I did, I wouldn't be telling strangers about a secret. All right, where is she? Take it easy, mate. I haven't got time to take it easy, mate. Talk. Sure, I'll take Come on, come on. I was going to tell you now. She says to me, she says, if a man comes in. All right, shut up. Where is she? Right in the back room, mate. Spade, open up. Hello, Lola. Finally worked out your charade. Come on in, quick. Were you followed here? Wouldn't have come if I had been. How much do you know? They want you a hundred thousand bucks worth. You tell me why. You've seen Ducky Morton? Yeah. Didn't he tell you? I want to hear it from you. Don't believe anything he says. Morning and I didn't even give me the time of day. He says he wants me back that way. He's a liar. How does he want you back? But Richard Mortis, he wants me back. I'm taking an awful chance opening up to you like this. Let him catch me. They'd only kill me. Humane. You used to let the DA people get at me, Ducky's mom would lay for me, Dad. It took him years. And... Oh, gee, you don't know, Sammy. They tortured girls. What'd that mob do to me if I had to testify against okay, him? Okay, I take your word for that. Who are these DA people you're talking about? You never heard of Ducky Morton before? I heard his name. I thought he was knocked over when they had the big racket busting show in New York years ago. Yeah, I guess a lot of people think that. It wasn't healthy to mention Ducky's name. What was the racket? Dick Jones. Giving nickels to servicemen, rolling them. That's why the feds are helping the DA's office. They arrested hundreds of girls and held them as material witnesses. Only they wanted me most of all. I looked the joint, you see, and then I was Ducky's girlfriend during the duration. I think you'd be only too happy to tell what you know about him in court. Oh, gee, I would if I did, but you don't know. The DA's office say they'll give a girl protection, but how can they? What are you doing in San Francisco? Running away. Had my ticket on a boat. I was going to Honolulu. He was watching the boats. Then I found this room out in Oakland. Mrs. Pring was real nice to me. I never thought they'd find me there. And then Marty showed up. Honestly, it was just a Mickey I put in his drink. Just like we used in the joints, I never knew it'd kill him. You're a brave kid, Lola. Now look, Ducky offered me a hundred grand to deliver you. Did you take a chance of me fighting it out with him for half of that? The fifty grand? Brother, where are we meeting him? Oh, 
O'Rourke's car was parked outside my apartment building where I had a hunch it would be. Seganus picked us up at the door, unloaded my hardware, and marched us up the stairs. Ducky opened the door of my apartment and waved us inside. Hey, you gotta take go the plant outside, you Ducky, two. listen to me. Hey, sit down. You too, Lola. Ducky, I swear I never said a word. I'd never talk, Ducky, even if they chopped my head off. We'll take up your suggestion later. I got a conference on with Mr. Spade here. Bring the money? Don't crowd me. There's that other matter. The old lady. How about the old lady? I keep my word, Spade. You delivered the duck, okay. The way Jenny gave it out to O'Rourke was the old lady for the duck. But you ain't got no ethics. You see, you figured me wrong. I don't kill old ladies. You're gonna kill the duck. I ain't no old lady. No, you ain't. And you ain't gonna get any older. And neither are you, Spade. I wasn't kidding. He really meant to knock me over. And the gun he was gonna do it with got ready to speak its piece. I'd made my play too strong. The way this type of guns will think is simple, and I'd guessed it right. If you pressure them, they go the other way by instinct. But if I hadn't figured was that this killer had a heart of lettuce. He was going to cut me down to protect your mother from me. You like that. I couldn't change my play now. The wheel was already spinning, and so was my head. I tried to brace myself and waited for the blast. This is Perrine. What are you doing here? I was just making some coffee for the boys. Oh, dear, I've broken your cups. That's okay, Mother. We'll take care of it. Let's see. Oh, thank you, Mr. Buckley. I'm so glad you got my message, Sam. Did you want me to meet you? Uh, yeah. I mean, no. I mean... I wanted to surprise you both together. I hope you don't mind my taking over the kitchen. It was so late, and the boys were getting hungry, so I listened some coffee and cake. That was very interesting. Mr. Morton, put that crystal down for a moment and help me leave this table out of the room. Huh? Oh, oh sure, Mother. Thank you. Oh, we've had such a good time. I've never been up so late in my life. Mr. Buggy and I played a game called Blackjack. I won $50. Wait till Effie hears. <laughs> yeah, wait till she hears. I suppose Effie will tell me Mr. Bundy. Bundy? Oh, yes. I remember that Effie said he and she were off and down the office at police headquarters late night, so I phoned there. Uh, mother. Yes, Mr. Murphy? Did you say you phoned police headquarters? Oh, yes. That's where Mr. Bundy works. Mother, what did you tell Mr. Bundy? Well, just that you and the boys were here and that we were about to have some coffee. And he said he'd just love to come up and join us. And I said, do. And he said he would. You come with his boys. <laughs> Did I say something wrong? <laughs> no. No, Mom. Not at all. <laughs> well, I believe that's Mr. Bundy now. <laughs> When the smoke cleared away, Ducky Morton and his hoods were playing dead duck for keeps in my living room rug. That rug just came back from the cleaners, too. Dundee and the boys from Homicide took Lola Brent away with him. After it was all cleaned up, I found your mother out in the kitchen. Yes, Sam. I just made another pot of coffee. Oh, it's okay, Mom. It's okay. It's all over now. I've been holding this bag. Oh, it's empty. 
I never did get frightened in all my life. How does Effie stand it? You paid it good, Ron. You paid it real good. Did I? Was I as brave as Effie? Brave. Not only that, you got more brains. This is the United States Armed Forces Radio Service, the voice of information and education. Welcome back. Having this come into circulation is a really nice find. And it's not just because without it, we'd have ten and a half months straight of missing episodes. And to be frank, any missing episode from this period is welcome. You know, we always welcome missing episodes, you know, regardless of where they come from. But this is still a massive gap at the start of the series. Even with recently added episodes, we have only four episodes for all of 1947, and a grand total of eight episodes during the series' first 23 months on the air. But that's not the only reason that this episode is such a welcome addition to the circulating program. This episode brings to life a character who is mentioned, but never on stage in the novel The Maltese Falcon. In the novel, it's established that Effie lives with her mother, and Spade actually has Bridget O'Shaughnessy go hide out at Mrs. Perrine's place. One big change from the novel is that in The Maltese Falcon, Mrs. Perrine didn't like Sam. Now, we can interpret this, I guess, in a couple of ways. Either, one, the radio writers just decided to change things, or two, Mrs. Perrine's attitude towards Sam changed in the intervening years. 
As established in the Candy Tooth Caper, the series was set seven years after the events of the Maltese Falcon, leaving plenty of opportunity for Sam to do something that actually impresses Mrs. Perrine. It's also of note that we hear that line again, either you're in or you're out, which is a direct uh, quote from the Maltese Falcon, and something that it feels like the radio series wants to have as a callback. Signal this as Sam's uh, modus operandi to really press the villains. He's pretending to cooperate with them. I forget if this continues on uh, through the series, but it's definitely an interesting note to come back to. Sam certainly risked a lot, aka Mrs. Perrine's life, on his understanding of criminal psychology. Thankfully for everyone involved, he turned out to be right. I did miss the final scene with Effie when she found out what Sam had done. I'm so used to the established way those episodes end. There are, of course, a number of possibilities that occur. First, this was still relatively early in the series, and that ending wrap-up between Sam and Effie may not have been a sort of non-negotiable signature way to end the episode. Option two, maybe that was missing from the recording. There's no indication of that per se, and so I tend to lean towards it just being that we get the scene between Sam and Effie's mother that we just presume, and I think justifiably so, that of course Effie is going to continue on with Sam having heard the explanation. I didn't uh, recognize the actress who played Effie's mother. I wonder if that was Lorene Tuttle doing doubles. She was definitely a talented enough actress to do so. So, maybe. Now let's go ahead and thank our Patreon supporter of the day. I want to go ahead and thank Murph MCB. Murph MCB has been one of our Patreon supporters since February 2021, currently supporting us at the shameless level of $4 or more per month. Well, that will actually do it for today. If you are enjoying this podcast, please rate and review it wherever you download your podcast from. We'll be back next Monday with another adventure with Sam Spade. But join us back here tomorrow for Mr. Chameleon, where... McGinnis, I'm told that you reported a murder here. I'm Chameleon of Central Police Headquarters, and this is Detective Dave Arnold. How do you do, ma'am? I know funny ain't the right word for it, Mr. Chameleon, but I never got the education my daughter Minnie got. Anyhow, this is the kind of murder that just don't happen. I understand the chap that your daughter married today in the season's most fashionable wedding was murdered. Yes, the Prince of Romany. And poor Minnie's heart's just about breaking. Well, naturally, Mrs. McGuinness. She was wild about him. And him a prince of the blood, too. Minnie always had her heart set on marrying into royalty. Uh, She inherited a fabulous fortune from her father, didn't she? At least that's what I heard. Five million bucks, Mr. Chameleon. My poor dead husband, Mike. Rest his soul. Hid oil. Digging a cistern. And pulled out ten million that he split between Minnie and me. Have you any idea who killed the prince? Sure. His best man did him in. What? The Earl of Fenton. 
Sounds like one of them dime novels I used to read when I was a kid. Earl, killing princes and things. You say the prince's best man at his wedding killed him? It's amazing. Yes, ain't it, Mr. Chameleon? Did you actually witness the murder? Sure, I wouldn't be telling you what I am. All right, uh, let me hear what happened, Mrs. McGinnis. It was like this. Mm -hmm. My daughter and the prince was just starting off on their honeymoon. And sudden-like, that Earl Penton come running in. Yes? The Earl said something about the prince owing him $250,000. The prince got real hot and said he was only $20,000. Both big sums of money. Then they really got to brawling. So to settle things down, my daughter Minnie stepped in and gave the Earl her check for $20,000. Uh, the prince didn't have a bank in account big enough in this country, you see. I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. And check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.